Well, today I want to dig in because I want to talk about spiritual boundaries. I think it's an awesome time to jump in and how to finish this, this series out with talking about spiritual boundaries. And I want to go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to see what the Apostle Paul wrote. He's wrapping up his message, his letter to the church of Ephesus. So he's writing to Christians living in Ephesus. And he says this, a final word. And he means it. He's got a big final word. He's like, I want you to remember one last thing, church of Ephesus. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That word right there is not just a power. It's a power to overcome resistance. So he said, be strong in the Lord and be able to overcome resistance. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Now hear me, he did not say put on all of your armor, right? Get your, get your best stuff on, get your words ready, get your fists out, put your gloves on. He's not telling you for you to go put on your armor. He's saying, friends, if you call yourselves believers, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are going to be engaging in something. And you're not going to be able to put on what you normally put on. You're going to have to put on my armor. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We're going to talk about spiritual boundaries. As you see, for the last several weeks, we've been talking about boundaries, but they've all been for the physical. They've all been for this physical world. We have learned about boundaries to protect our relationships. We've learned about boundaries to protect us in our workplace. We've learned about boundaries that protect my body, boundaries that protect my mind. Come on, even boundaries that protect my heart, right? Boundaries that protect my heart. But what about boundaries that protect my spirit? What about boundaries that protect my yes to Jesus? That when I said yes to the Lord, many of us have taken that even further and said, I'm saying yes to your kingdom. I'm saying yes, Lord, to be about the things that you are about and to do the things that you do, Lord. What protects that yes? What protects that calling? That's what we want to look at today. Because friends, whether we like it or not, we are in a spiritual battle. The moment that we say yes to Jesus, we are engaged in a spiritual battle. See, I remember a time learning about this and hear me, I don't want you to be scared. There's no reason because we're gonna be talking a little bit about Satan today. And there is absolutely no reason that you need to be scared. There's no reason even that you have to feel that, oh my goodness, is she about to crack open a can of worms? Or am I gonna be specifically targeted? Like, hear no evil, see no evil. We're not gonna talk about this. You do not have to be scared with the content that I'm about to talk about. Everything that I'm about to share is coming from scripture. And not only that, everything that I'm going to share is not to hurt you, it is to help you. Because I believe that we do have a real enemy and, clear, and scripture clearly lays it out. And so while I don't need to fear this, I'm going to share some things with you. So in 60 seconds, I'm gonna give you a recap about who Satan is. We see Satan make his biblical debut from us as the reader, as a student of the word. I can open my Bible and I see Satan in Genesis chapter three when the crafty servant, serv, serpent, right, comes to Eve and he convinces Eve to cross a boundary, the one boundary that God had for her and for Adam. Do not eat of the fruit of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so he crafty way got in there, convinced her to do it. And, and she and Adam did that. And that is how sin entered the world. However, that was not Satan's debut on God's timeline. In fact, if you read in Revelation chapter 12, it's actually looking back to the past. 
where Satan was actually an angel. The Bible describes him as morning star. He was an angelic being who wanted to be like his creator, God. And in that wanting to be like God, he and one third of angels rebelled against the Lord. Well, how many y'all know? You can't stand against my Jesus. You can't stand against my King. And so they were cast out of God's presence. They were fallen angels. So if you read throughout the New Testament, Jesus didn't shy away about talking about demons. And so one third of fallen angels are what we see in the scripture in demonic. Now hear me friends, again, this is not too scarce because what, what did we read before? That we may be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So that is a power that overcomes resistance. You and I have not been left on this earth to do things on our own. You and I have a power that overcomes resistance. So the spirit of God, I love this. In, in Romans chapter eight, verse 11, let's put that up. The spirit of God who raised Christ from the dead lives in you. So the spirit of God, the resurrecting power that raised Jesus from the dead resides in the believer. And so when I read of things in scripture of, oh my goodness, what is going on? What is this enemy talk? What is this darkness talk? What are you talking about? I signed up for a battle. Where was that in my biblical contract? Like, I don't remember, uh, hear no evil, see no evil. What? God is saying, you don't have to be afraid. In fact, I love this. In Revelation chapter one, Jesus says this. Don't be afraid. I am the first and I am the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And who holds the keys to death in the grave? I hold the, grave, the keys to death and the grave. And so when you and I are coming into a relationship with Jesus, we are already positioned for victory in Jesus Christ. So again, the things that I am talking about, I don't want you to be afraid, but you need to be aware. I don't want you to be afraid, but I need you to be aware because Paul warns us that we are not wrestling. We're not fighting against things that are flesh and blood. Some of y'all are scrappers. You know what it's like to fight against things that are flesh and blood. Whether you have fought with your fists or you have fought with your words or you fought with your fingers, right, on Facebook, you know how to fight. But Paul is saying there's something happening that you can't see. There is an unseen world that is very much as real as this physical world. And you don't need to be afraid, but you need to be aware. So can we talk about this today? All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for your word. And I just ask Jesus that I would be a wonderful God representation of your teaching. I ask to give me words, Lord God, and give us ears to hear, hearts and minds to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. So I think the best place to look at, if we're looking at, okay, well, if there's this unseen battle going on, what do, how do I deal with this? I think the best example is to look at the example of Jesus Christ. Before Jesus began his ministry, before the miracles of healing the sick, raising the dead, watching mute mouths begin to open and speak, watching deaf ears hear, before Jesus ever did that ministry on earth, he was actually led into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan. And so I want us to just take a few moments to look at this interaction because you and I can learn a lot from this. So let's go to Matthew. It says, then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and he became very hungry. See, Jesus was fully human as well as fully God. He was hungry after not eating for 40 days and 40 nights. It says, during that time, the devil came to him and said to him, if you are the son of God, 
tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And so what can we learn from this interaction with Jesus and Satan? We can learn that just like when we don't have boundaries, right? What we're responsible for is blurred. Remember that message? When we don't have boundaries, our identity, right? Who am I? My my definition of me is blurred. Well, this is exactly what the enemy tried to do. The enemy blurs identity. So in this scripture, in this particular context and interaction with Jesus, the enemy says, if you are the son of God. See, he recognizes the circumstances. He recognizes that it's been 40 days and 40 nights. Like this boy's hungry and I know that he's hungry. So I'm gonna try to capitalize on this weakness in the physical. And I'm gonna question you, if you are the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. I wanna reveal something to you very, that's very, very eye-opening in that the enemy has an aerial view when it comes to our lives. He does not have an internal view. So while he can look at everything happening on the outside, he has no power and no authority over what's happening on the inside of us. Meaning my thoughts, my heart, my spirit, that does not belong to him. That is off limits in Jesus' name. And so with that being said, the enemy is going to look at your actions. And based on your actions, he's gonna try to find a way to get you to question who you are in Jesus. I saw what you did. Are you really a follower of Christ? I I, I heard that conversation between you and your husband and it seemed a little bit quarrelsome. Are you really a faithful wife? Are you really forgiven? Are you really covered by grace? Are you really changing? Because I hear you telling people that, you know, you you follow Jesus now, but are you really walking out that process? Who are you? Who are you? And so I want to encourage you, whenever you start getting these this resistance, right, coming at you because of your your actions. I just wonder if somebody's got an aerial view on you and is trying to convince you of someone who you are not. So the enemy tries to blur the identity. What else did he do to Jesus? Let's go to the next scripture. It says, then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, jump off. The scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jump, Jesus. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. What is the enemy doing here? The enemy is blurring his community. The enemy will try to blur our community. Are they gonna catch you? They should catch you. Who do you have around you? Who is your community? Who's got your back, Jesus? Because if you really are who you say you are, well, then this people, they're gonna be there for you in community. So not only is he questioning Jesus's identity, he's questioning his community. We believe in community here at Avenue Church. We believe that as we grow bigger, we grow smaller in forms of groups that we believe that life is better together and that God does incredible works through healthy relationships. And so if you ever feel the enemy trying to isolate you and pull you out of community? Or if you ever feel these conversations that are questioning, hmm, is the church really there for me? Is the body of Christ, do I really belong? Just know the enemy likes to blur community. Now the devil was two for two being, you know, striking out, but let's see what he goes for a third time. It says next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain. Again, all that man does is look at aerial views. He's always looking down at what he wants and what he can't have. He's always looking down and peering from a tall place, looking at what he desires or how to make something happen. 
And so he takes Jesus up to a very high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give this all to you. If you will kneel down and will worship me, get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. I, I experienced it. I, I, in my mind, I see a little bit of attitude. Jesus could have yelled, who knows? But in my mind, he's like, get out of here. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The enemy is going to try to blur your purpose. Jesus knew that his purpose was to worship the Lord God only, no other God. He knew what his purpose was on this earth, to die, to live a blameless, spotless, perfect life, to heal, to restore, to bring in the kingdom of God, to raise up Christian men and women to follow Jesus. But then he was going to die on a cross. So you can offer me anything of this world but nothing is comparison to my God-given purpose. The enemy will try to blow. And here's the thing. He tries to give you things that he doesn't even possess. He tries to give you things that don't even belong to him. He does not have the power and the authority to give you what he does not have. And so let us not let the enemy blur our purpose. You know, Jesus, as he's talking with his disciples, he clearly lays out, who Satan is, because you might be someone who's spent a lot of time in the Old Testament. And I, the old, I know that the Old Testament hits on Satan every once in a while, hits on darkness, hits on the, the workings of the unseen world. But Jesus calls it out in John chapter eight, verse 40, 44. He says this, he was a murderer from the beginning. From the beginning, meaning the root of him is evil. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and he's the daddy of all liars, right? He is the father of all lies. So Jesus is making a clear boundary that there is no good in him. There is no truth in him. There is lies in him. And character is who you are, not just in public, come on, but it's in private. And in private, he's still a liar and he's the father of lies. So now that we've shared what the enemy tries to blur, my identity, my community, my purpose, well, what do we do about it? What boundaries will help me to stand against the enemy? Because that's what Paul said. You've got to put on the armor of God to stand against the schemes of the enemy. Well, I want to share with you first and foremost that God's truth is a boundary to the enemy. God's truth is a boundary to the enemy. And hear me, he knows the word. We saw him spit in scripture at Jesus. But the thing is, is that he twists truth. He changes truth to be able to fit his circumstance, to be able to manipulate what he wants to manipulate. But if we know God's word, can you hand me my Bible? It's right there on the chair. I love God's word. Thank you. You're the cutest assistant in the world. That's my husband. <laughs> but I read my Bible every single day. And friends, when, when Jesus even said, this is my daily bread, like I can't live on bread alone, but I need to live on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. This is the best boundary against the enemy. This book is filled. Come on, that's a good place to clap. Online, that's a good place to throw up an emoji right now and say, yes, the word of God is every promise that the Lord has for us. It is every encouragement for what I am walking through. It is every truth that will rebel every single lie that the enemy throws my way. I love this word. I'm a highlighter. I'm a, I love to highlight. In fact, this Bible that I've had, and my, my highlighter's right there from this morning. 
This is a Bible I've had for the past several years. I've already gone through it in pink. I'm going through it in yellow now because I never stop reading it because God never stops revealing something to me new in scripture, a new perspective, something that maybe I wasn't walking through a year ago, but I'm walking through now. We have got to take part in this because you know what it is? If we do not read our word of God on a regular basis, you are showing up on the battlefield with absolutely no tools or resources to fight the enemy. It's like you're showing up for a fight, but honey, you're still in your PJs. You have no sword. You have no helmet. You have no, 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 no shield. You have no breastplate. You, you got nothing to work with. And so I don't know about you, but if I'm engaged in a battle, I wanna be, I wanna be Rocky style, right? I'm, I'm, I'm going upstairs. I got my pump music on. I am ready for this battle, but I'm standing on the promises of God. This is what I love about this, that this is not a fairy tale, friends. It's not a good versus evil Disney movie or Marvel cinema movie. It's not that. This is very, very real. But the cool part is that I'm on the good side. The cool part is, is that I am standing in victory, but that word is my guide to victory. That word is my proclamation of victory. That word is the banner that covers my family in victory. So I want to encourage you in this day and age, we don't live in a communist country where that is outlawed. We live in a country where I can Google it and get it like that. We live in a country where people are giving apps away for free and I can read the word of God at any moment at any time. We live in a day and age where I don't even have to remind myself to read the Bible. The app does it for me. It sends me a scripture a day. I don't have to be in a room full of people. I could be online with people reading the exact same devotion together. What a day and age, but are we taking advantage of it to stand on the promises of God? And hear me, there is no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. So if you are in here today and you're like, dang it, I haven't been reading. Well, that's okay. Today's a great day to start. We're reading it now. Let's read it again tomorrow. Amen? Amen, amen. See, I want us to know this. This is so important. Christians are not to attack Satan or advance against him. They are only to stand or to hold the territory that Christ and his body, the church have conquered. So what does that mean? It means this is holy ground. This is a life that Jesus has changed and therefore I belong to the Lord and the enemy has no business in this area. This Avenue Church is founded on Jesus Christ. This is a part of the kingdom of God. And with that, the enemy has no place here. The Bosma house, come on, our residence is a place where the Lord dwells because we dwell there and we've deemed it as holy ground. That is God's territory. So as you and I begin to take new territory, come on, we got Vita Church in the house. They're launching this September. They're taking new territory. And as Vita Church takes new territory, they are pushing back the enemy and expanding the kingdom of God. And what do they have to do? They have to stand on what Christ has given them. We stand. So while we're taking ground and fighting back against the enemy, there's also, I'm standing ground. I'm standing ground. So let me just encourage you real quick. The enemy does not care about you personally. You know, we read about Job and we're like, dang Job, that sucks. Well, if you've cussed today, or if you've ever had a fight with somebody, or you've lied, cheated, or stolen, you probably ain't as cool as Job and the enemy ain't looking for you right now. I'm just being real. Sometimes we think we are like holy superstars 
And I am so holy that I gotta be on God's radar, right? I gotta be on the enemy's radar. And we think that there's this huge target always pointed at me. My car broke. It's the devil. My husband didn't hit the start button on the coffee. I woke up to nothing. That's the devil, right? And hear me, I'm not poking fun of the enemy, but what I'm saying is this. Here's what I'm saying. What I am saying is that the enemy only cares about ruining the plans of God. That is his enemy. Jesus Christ, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that is who the enemy is locked in on and focused on. You and I, we're just collateral damage along the way because we're standing in the promises of God. We're stopping and saying, no, this is not your territory. So let's not be confused that we always feel that we are the focus, that we're the focus of what the enemy is doing. No, Jesus Christ is the focus of what he's doing. So let's just take the fear out of it. Let's take the I'm special out of it and just realize that God and him are what's it in. And we're just, we're just kind of in the mess, okay? Amen? All right, the la- All right, I want to talk to you what is another boundary. It's the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is a boundary to death. What do I mean by that? Because, whoa, that sounds really preachy and really, really heavy, Lindsay. What do you mean? Well, from the Old Testament, we will know that in order for our sins to be paid for, that there always had to be blood sacrifice. There had to be something spotless, something pure, something that had never been, been, it had to be blameless, it had to be spotless. So with that being said, God looks at us and knows that we could never qualify to beat death. That on our own accord, you and I could never stand and accept the penalty of sin or make up for the penalty of sin, which is death. And so he knew this ahead of time. And that is why he gave us his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross. Because what he was doing is he was drawing a boundary line between spiritual death, between eternity in heaven or eternity in hell. And he was saying that my blood takes care of it all. Let me show you this in Ephesians chapter three. It says, for everyone has sinned. So guess what, guys? We're in a good room today. (laughs) We've all sinned, every single one of us. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He makes us right, not us. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. If you read in the Old Testament that spoke about the things of Jesus before they ever happened, Isaiah said that it brought God great joy Great joy to crush Jesus on the cross to be the penalty of sin and death for you and for I. So before we were even on this earth, God already made a plan that you and I would be free, that you and I would be right in the eyes of Jesus. People are made right with God when they believe, not when you earn it, not when you show up to church enough during the year. No, you're made right when you believe in God that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. It's like we've been into a court and we are deemed guilty. Friends, we, we are guilty of our sin. All of us have done something that falls short of the standard that God has. All that means is that I've missed the mark, right? I, I, I'm not holy enough. I can never do anything on my own to stand in the presence of God and be spotless, to be deemed not guilty. And what God did is that he went into that courtroom presented his his son, Jesus Christ, that died once, one person had to die for all because he was the son of God. And so his blood covers the wages of sin for on and on and on and on. And that is a boundary. 
that you and I should be proud of. That is a boundary that we should be grateful for. And that is a boundary that says, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not worried about the things to come. You know, my husband and I did a really tough funeral yesterday. And in that funeral, why do we have hope? Why are we able to stand in the presence of broken, hurting, and grieving people? And we were grieving ourselves. Why are we able to do that? Because my Jesus already took care of death in the grave. And so when I am separated on this earth from people who know the Lord, people who I love and I miss, I know that my future is with them in the presence of God because the boundary line has been drawn. The boundary line's been drawn. So good. So good. I'll continue to share. It says the sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just. Remember, we read in the scripture that the enemy is a liar. He's a father of lies. That is his character. If you ever felt that you've been cheated by God, or you've been done dirty by God, or God hasn't been fair with you, friends, God is never changing. He cannot change his character. And his character is fair and it's just. And it may not, may not make sense while we're walking through things, but he cannot alter who he is. He is fair and he is just, and he makes sinners right in the sight when we believe in Jesus. Come on, so good, it's so good. Here's the last boundary that I wanna talk about today, and I'm wrapping up with this. The name of Jesus is a boundary, and it's a boundary of authority. It's a boundary of authority. When, when Jesus was going to leave his disciples, he said, when you pray, you pray in my name. And anything you ask of the Father in my name, I'm going to give it to you according to his will. The name of Jesus is powerful. And you and I have not been left as orphans. We've not been left like, all right, I said yes to Jesus and now I'm out on my lonesome home. Hopefully my church can help me out, right? No, we're not wandering this earth without, without knowledge, without purpose, without resources. No, we have the name of Jesus. And I love what Philippians chapter two says it. It says, therefore God elevated him, elevated Jesus to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above any other name that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. No other name is above his name. No circumstance is above his circumstance. Nothing on this earth or under the earth, seen or not seen, is greater than the name of Jesus. So when we are walking through this life and I feel that resistance coming up against me, I'm saying yes to Jesus. I'm walking in my purpose, but I can't catch a break. I feel this resistance. Well, you and I have the power to draw a line and that's the name of Jesus. That we can take authority in this situation and tell whatever is going on in the things that I cannot see. Whatever is there that I am blind to in the physical. That Lord, whatever it may be, it has to bow to your name. Throughout the scriptures, if you read throughout the gospels, the enemy knew Jesus' name. Before the people who walked the earth, before the disciples knew that he was the son of God, the demons knew he was the son of God. And they could not stand in his presence. They could not have power in his presence because every name, every knee will bow to the name of Jesus. And you and I, sometimes you wonder, God, what possessed you? 
to give that authority to us? What in you looked at humanity and said, I don't want my spirit to be in a temple. I don't want to remain here in heaven, unplugged from everyone. No, no, no. I want to put my spirit in you. I want to put my purpose in you. I want to dwell in you. You are now my home. You are pure. You are perfect. You are holy in the sight of God. You are righteous. You have to be righteous because if you were not righteous, God could not dwell in you. But the catch is that you're not righteous on what you do or have not done. You are righteous just because the blood of Jesus. And so why on God's green earth would he do it this way? Because of love. Because there is no other way. We would always miss the mark. So I don't qualify on my own. He qualified me. I, I, don't, I don't make enough to be on this, but he did it. And not only that, but he positioned for me to be victorious against the enemy. It's amazing. It's a birthright, friends. It's a birthright. And so what do we do with this? If I know that the name of Jesus is a boundary, if I know that the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed on a cross is a boundary that the enemy cannot cross, that he no longer has any authority over life and death, eternity. No, if the word of God is a boundary, then as a Christ follower, what do I do? Some of us are in this room and we're hearing this for the very first time that there are things happening that we cannot see. That we can't see. We feel it. We can't see it. For some of us, light bulbs are going off like, oh my goodness, could it be? Could it be? You see, I know that we, we upset the plans of the enemy when somebody gets saved. We're told that all of heaven breaks out into celebration when just one person gives their life to Jesus. But I know too that hell rattles a little bit because they ain't getting that one. I know that some of you in this room were such heavy hitters for the enemy before you came to Jesus. You were tearing up families. You were breaking people's spirits. You were rough, but then Jesus, but then Jesus, come on, but then Jesus, but then Jesus, but then Jesus looked at you and said, I see it no more. And everything that the enemy had used for evil, I'm going to turn it around for good. And you went from being a heavy hitter for the enemy to now being a humble servant of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the things that you used to hate about yourself, mm, that temper, mm, those personalities, right? Those things begin to get transformed in the presence of God. As you began to read the word, that hard stuff started chipping off and you just began to tap into everything that God has created you to be. And now you're a heavy hitter for Jesus. You don't think the enemy gets ticked about that? You don't think the enemy got mad when Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus, who was zealous for killing Christians? You don't think the enemy got mad when Jesus knocked him off his horse on the way to Damascus and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my people? He's like, who are you? He's like, I am Jesus. And the moment that Saul had a revelation of the realness and the goodness of God, of the Christ who gave himself on the cross, who rose from the dead. The moment that Paul had a revelation, everything changed. 
and the rest of his life was lived in full submission, whether it was in chains or it was on a platform preaching. He stood on the word of God and he proclaimed that territory belonged to the Lord and not to the enemy. You don't think that rattles somebody's feathers? That you used to be on his side, but you're now you're on this side. But hear me, there is a resistance that will be there, but you can overcome that resistance. You can overcome that resistance. God tells you, I will never put you in a position that you cannot flee from. There's always a way out, but you have got the choices. Remember boundaries? The choice is your responsibility. Where are you at on the boundary line? Because he makes it clear. There is light and there is dark. There is heaven and there is hell. But hear me, all of it's eternity. All of it's eternity. So where where are we going to stand? Paul says, stand firm. Stand firm. So what do we do? We're going to study God's word. You don't need a Bible degree to study God's word. Study God's word. We got to receive salvation if we haven't accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. He gave it all for the opportunity. We had just read that. Don't be upset that, that Jesus, that God held back, right? Held back his wrath, held back this, this ending of all these things because he was waiting for just one more to say yes to Jesus. One more to be made righteous. Some of us need to start praying with authority. We're upset that our kids are all over the place. We're upset that our marriage is not going well right now. We're upset that I'm being taken advantage at work or people aren't listening. Some of us need to take some authority that before I step out of the door of my house in the morning, I am standing or kneeling in my home on my floor, praying in the name of Jesus, that God, you are going before me this morning. You are working things out, that you are for me. You are not against me. Jesus, you're directing my steps. We're taking a stand and we're praying with authority. And last, we're gonna ask help from the Holy Spirit. God's got a soft spot for orphans. He's got a soft spot for widows. He's got a soft spot for people who feel like they don't have anybody. And before Jesus went to the cross, he explained to his disciples that I'm not leaving you alone. See, some of you have lost someone who means the world to you and you feel like you've been left alone. But Jesus prepared his disciples that before I'm going to leave you, I'm going to send you, my father's going to send you somebody else. And it says here in John chapter 14, but the helper, come on, the comforter, the advocate. Can we put that on the screen, please? John 14, the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place, that I can't be with you physically on this earth, but I am not leaving you as orphans. I'm not leaving you to do this on your own, but in my place to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. See, some of us need to ask for help from the Holy Spirit. And I don't wanna do this without you, Lord. And I need you to do this. Would you stand with me, please? We're closing now. You know, scripture says in Acts chapter one, verse eight, as Jesus is about to ascend to heaven, he told his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, 
throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying Avenue Church, Vita Church, man of God, woman of God, I've called you. And I'm not leaving you, but I'm going to give you a power. I'm going to give you a power because you got a job to do. You're not just going to receive my grace and do nothing with it. You are going to take that grace and be a light to the world. We may not have Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, but friends, we've got Summerlin. Come on. We've got North Las Vegas. We've got East Las Vegas. We've got Henderson. We've got Southern Highlands. We've got Green Valley. We got Perup. We got Aliante. We've got downtown Vegas. We've got the strip. You and I have been called to make a difference in this world. And we've been given the power and the authority, but we need to ask for help. And so what I wanted you today, if you were in this room and you gotta, you gotta start right at square one, I need Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to experience this salvation. If that is you with every head bow and every eye closed, if that is you, would you please raise your hand that yes, today is the day that I want us to receive Jesus Christ. Yes, I see you as my Lord and Savior. Yes, I see you. I see you. That is awesome. That is awesome. We're going to do this as if, yeah, you can clap. Come on. Bible says every everybody breaks out into celebration. Here's what we're going to do. Because remember, the work's not on you. The work on you is just to believe. So we're gonna pray this together as a church family. Say, dear Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross, for giving your life for me. I thank you, Jesus, that you rose from the dead, that you took the keys of death and the grave and you died for me. You rose for me. I am not by myself. I have been given a helper. You, Jesus, live in me. So show me who I am in you. Show me today, Jesus, that I am saved. I am redeemed. I am a child of God. Amen and amen and amen. Come on. My goodness, wasn't that a word this morning? My goodness. Put your seatbelt on. Yeah, that was a great word. Uh, yeah, I'm supposed to be uh, a good pastor, and I'm going to do some announcement slides and all of that, because how many know, man, when we hear a good word, we got to do something about that word, and we have to have movement in that. Um, something I just couldn't shake, and uh, look, at, that's a lot of announcements back there, production team, my goodness, but I'll get there. Um, but I just can't shake the spot, if it's okay, I don't want to do a message after a message, uh, but when... But when Pastor Lindsay said that the enemy tried to tempt Jesus, Satan himself tempted him, I just want to do something just for a little bit and then we'll go back into a song real quick, but please, this is important. Is he said, Jesus, look, look at, look, look, I want you to change perspective. I want you to look, not up here, but look, and I'll give you all this. How many remember that scripture in the sermon today? I'll give you all this. You'll just kneel before me. The Bible says if we fix our eyes on Jesus, he's the author, the full authority of our faith. We've learned that we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. And the way we fight is we stand. We stand on God's word. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, stand therefore. Don't go back to that again. Don't go back to Egypt. Don't cross that boundary. I just can't fix this, uh, this thought. 
that so many times we're in the devil's backyard instead of being in God's house. That we're saying, man, I, I'm just all these different things I'm struggling with and I don't fully realize the authority that God has placed in my life because Jesus just came to my heart. And a lot of times the things that we fix our eyes on becomes our God. I'm afraid of fear. Well, guess what? Fear is now your God. I'm afraid of this taking place. Well, guess what? That is now your God. I'm afraid of finances. Well, guess what? Money has become your God. The things that we fix our eyes on becomes the authority in our life. And that's why every single day we read our word and I adjust my eyes, I adjust what I see. I'm just like Jesus, get out of here, devil. I fix my eyes on Jesus. But for somebody in this room, I think it's, um, there's, man, God wants to pause service today. We try to do 60 minutes, 70 minutes. Hey, but we need two services, and so tell them we're going as long as we want. Amen. Um, but you've been fixed on a situation. You've been fixed on a experience, on a trauma experience, something that took place. And one moment may have been repeated after that moment. But it's been an area of your life that you're saying, man, because of that, I'm now dealing with this. What if today we crossed a boundary and we got out of the devil's backyard, we went into God's house, and we say, you know what, if that situation, that thing that happened has impacted me all these years, what can happen today in God's house that can impact all my years? My mind, my soul, my kids, my, my family, my friends, my relationships. And so here's just what I want to do is I want, to, I want us to do something a little bit different. And then we'll go into a worship song in just a moment. But if that's you today and you're saying, I am sick and tired of being stuck where I'm at. I want to step into the promises of God. I want to put on the full armor of God. I want to step into what God has for my life. I really want you... The worship team was going to a song. I really want you to step out of your chair, and I want you just to come to this front here and say, today's the day it changes. Today's the day the trajectory of my family, the trajectory, it's reversing the curse today. And you know what? There is a spiritual boundary. And today when you cross uh, the front row and you come to the front area here, you're now saying, Jesus, I fix my eyes on you. Get out of here, devil. Get out of here, experience. I am healed and I am set free today. And so if that's you, step out and come forward. Just come to the front and I want you to worship and I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus. Just come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. You can come and fill this area up here. I want you to cross that boundary. And I want you to say, I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus. I'm fixing. Come on, church. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, he gives you the authority in Jesus' name. Come on. Come on. Everyone else, just stretch your hands out. I want you to worship with us today. It's Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. 
Savior, King Jesus. Now, Father, I thank you for every hand that is raised. Father, I thank you that spiritually you've taken them out of darkness, out of addictions, out of that experience. Father, out of that horrific incident, and you are now carrying them over into this light, into what you have done. Father, I thank you that we stand there for. We stand there for. God, I thank you. May this be an experience. May this be a catalyst moment that's going to change our families, our marriage, our minds, our emotions. Let this change the trajectory of the name that, that we hold on to. Now, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, may this be the moment that changes us forever. May this be the moment that we say the victory belongs to the Lord. I'm not going back to that, but I'm now setting a boundary of authority. So, devil, get out of here. Devil, get out of here. Oh, Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. And Father, we praise you. So that, Father, we're going to read your word. We're going to give you our heart. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit for help daily. But I'm new today. I'm new today. I'm new today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You are different. You are changed because of what Jesus has done. You're going to walk out of here with authority. 
I see a picture of a back hunched over when you walked in, and now I see your shoulders back when you walk out. Your chest is sticking out, saying, I have the authority of Jesus Christ. I was giving the devil too much authority. I was giving him too much focus. I was giving him too much perspective. And today, I fix my eyes on Jesus, the one who can change it in a blink of an eye, the one who can speak to me, heal me, guide me and lead me in Jesus' name, because every victory is His, and He's given us the victory. He's given us all authority in Jesus' name. So, Father, we thank you, and we praise you, because today we're changed forever and ever and ever in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, amen and amen. Come on, give God a voice today. Give him a shout.